a very exciting couple of weeks. I'm really pumped to be able to kick in us off the next couple of weeks. But before I get cracking, um, I'd love for you to turn to the person next to you or the people around you and um, just discuss this. What is a spiritual person? If you were to ask someone um, on the street what a spiritual person is, or if someone says to you, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, what, what is a spiritual person? Have a chat with the person next to you, and then we'll come back in 48 seconds. Go. Okay. Okay, no airs and graces here. Just shout out at me. A spi- what does a spiritual person look like? Oh, so bonded to God. Oh, I like the way you've put that. It's a very interesting turn of phrase. A spiritual person? A bit weird. Thank you, Tom. A bit weird. Yeah. Someone who's got the Holy Spirit in their heart and goes everywhere where you go. Love that. What else do you say? <laughs> I'm so glad to have you in our church, Rebecca. You bring so much joy to this church. We love you. Okay, Holy Spirit. Well, spirit, what is a spiritual person? Someone else, maybe one more person. What were you talking about in your groups? No right answers here, genuinely. Dealing with the unseen. Nice. Interesting. That's a lawyer's way of putting it. Okay. (laughs) I did um, what every good preacher does. I did a Google image search of spiritual person. And this is what I came up with. And so you've got a few things there. Um, You've got a lot of Eastern religion, quite a bit of meditation, a bit of what Tom said, just a bit weird. Yeah. So there's a bit of that, uh, quite a bit of prayer and just, it's all quite yeah, it's all quite like that. It doesn't really attract me, to be honest. I don't really want to be a spiritual person looking at that. Now, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament says that if you're a Christian, you are called to be a spiritual person. And he's not saying we need to be like this. And I wonder if, we've, if culture has taken this word spiritual and hijacked it a little bit. I wonder if we've misunderstood what spiritual means a little bit. And I wonder if that's because maybe we have misunderstood who the Holy Spirit is, who he is. And I guess that's the first thing I want to say there. The Holy Spirit is a he. He's not an it any more than Maggie is an it. If I called you an it, I think you'd be quite offended, wouldn't you, Maggie? You'd smack me around the chops. Yes. Now that's a spiritual person, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> Wixon. Okay. Maggie's not in it. The Holy Spirit is a he. he. He has a personality. He is a person because he has a personality. So we see that we can grieve him. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. He has a will. He determines certain things. And you can have fellowship with him. 
He is a he. Not only is he he, he is God. Not a God, he is God. Here's just a few verses. These are just the verses I could fit onto one slide. There are so many more. And they talk about God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit in the same verse, in the same way. They are equal. One, this is the, the historic teaching of the Christian faith. There is one God in three persons. We call it the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Didn't think we'd do a doctrine today, did you? There we go, a bit of doctrine. I love, um, I love the scene of the baptism of Jesus, where you have the Father declaring his love for the Son, and the Holy Spirit comes like a dove. Father, Son, Holy Spirit in one place. The Holy Spirit is a he. The Holy Spirit is God. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit is Ruach. Can you say that with me? Ruach. You've got a, got a, a bit of phlegm comes out when you say it. You've got to really, is that right, Paul and Janie? Ruach. Okay. Or the New Testament word, which is a bit more boring, is pneuma. Um, and so these are the words the Bible uses for a whole load of things, actually. So Ruach, Hebrew, Old Testament, Numa, Greek, New Testament. And so on a, on a breezy day, there's an invisible force that moves the treetops. That invisible force is called the wind. In Hebrew, Ruach. In Greek, Numa. Okay, so put your hand in front of your mouth. Inhale through your nose. Exhale through your mouth. What are you feeling? Yeah, your breath. I mean, wind, that's a, that's, that's a, that's a different thing. Okay. <laughs> it all out your mouth, guys. Uh, it's breath. In Hebrew, breath is... In Greek, it's pneuma. And the word for the spirit, in Hebrew, ruach. And in Greek, pneuma. So just like... The wind that moves the trees and the breath in your lungs is invisible. The spirit is invisible. Just like the wind that moves the trees is powerful, the spirit is powerful. And just like the breath in your lungs gives life, the Holy Spirit brings life wherever he goes. And he goes all over the place. In fact, I've got my pieces of paper because... I have to do this. Apparently, that's a thing I'm doing in this series. He is all over the Bible. And guess where he starts? He starts in creation. Come if um, you're on the front row again. Come on. Starts at creation, where the Spirit of God hovers over the water. That word hovers means broods, like a mum. It's the idea of pregnancy. It's the Spirit of God ready to bring life to the world. And then the ministry of the old, uh, in the Old Testament of the Holy Spirit, I guess, can be described uh, in this way. Come out, Phil. Um, as we go through the, the Old Testament, we see the Holy Spirit uh, coming on specific people for specific jobs at specific times. That's how the Holy Spirit kind of works in the Old Testament. Specific people for specific jobs at specific times. And um, Mags, are we, are we standing? Yeah. And the first person we see that on is in the book of Exodus, the guy called Bezalel. Yeah, famous guy, know him? 
done a Bible study on Bazal all before? Nope, me neither. But he was a guy who created, the Holy Spirit came in to create all the artifacts uh, for the, the tabernacle. Uh, Farley, come on out. Um, secondly, it comes on Gideon, one of the judges in the book of Judges, who, and the Holy Spirit comes in to help him lead the Lord's people and defeat his enemies. Amy, come on out. And then the Spirit of the Lord comes on Samson and helps him do all kinds of crazy things as he defeats the Philistines, including tearing apart a lion as if it were a young goat. Anyone teared apart a young goat? Is that easy? I don't know. No, okay. But that's what the Holy Spirit did. And then, come on out. Oh, Sam, you come on out. You can do this one. Uh, Go on, Sam. Uh, And then Holy Spirit comes on Saul to help him lead the, the people of God. And this is specific people for specific jobs. And there's loads more um, people than this. But this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. We also see that the Holy Spirit can leave people. So flip that over because that's what we see with Saul is the Holy Spirit leaves Saul when Saul goes his own way and starts disobeying. Now, another group of people that the Holy Spirit came on powerfully, Nick, is the prophets. They're the guys who wrote the really long, that sometimes quite interesting and sometimes not so interesting books in the Old Testament. And what the prophets did is they wrote, according to 2 Peter, they wrote um, their own words, but they were carried along by the Holy Spirit as they write. So what they write is they write God's words um, on, on the paper and they prophesy God's words. And what they do, among other things, is they prophesy a day where the Holy Spirit's not going to come on specific people but for specific jobs at specific times. He's going to come on all people. Young people, old people, men, women, free people, slaves. He's going to come on all people, and he's not just going to come on people. Come on out. He's going to, there's an indication he's going to live in people. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. And they point to a day, come on, Marilyn, where it's not just going to be all people. There's going to be a specific person. Isaiah calls him the servant that we call the spirit-filled man. So it's going to be on all God's people, in all God's people, but there's going to be one specific person. And then we fast forward a thousand years and we get to Jesus and he goes and he gets this, this verse here about the the spirit-filled man. And he says, that's about me. I am the spirit-filled man. And then the ministry of the Holy Spirit changes. We see that he is Pete. Come on out. Come on. The Holy Spirit is given to us by Jesus. That the reason Jesus isn't... I asked someone asked me, a non-Christian friend asked me, say, why did Jesus go to heaven? Well, the answer is so that he could send his Holy Spirit to be on us and to be in us. To fulfill. Come on. On us to fulfill the mission of Jesus. That when the Spirit comes on us in power, we will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So it's not, when Jesus was here, he did an astonishing job and he he changed a city. But then the Spirit comes and the, the, the Holy Spirit comes on the people of God and they go out not just to one city, but to the whole world to fulfill and extend the mission of Jesus. Do you want to come, Charles? Yeah, you do. And that we know our identity in Jesus, that through the Holy Spirit, we cry, Abba. Father, that through the Holy Spirit living in us, you are not what you do. You are not what you've done. 
You've not your, ident- your identity in any of the ways that culture tells us we need to place our identity. We are the child of God. And the Spirit reminds us of that. And he helps us, come on. He helps us live the life of Jesus. If you ever see someone who does amazing works in the power of the Holy Spirit, but doesn't demonstrate love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, I want you to be wary. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't just do the miraculous. He helps us live like Jesus. Come on, Joe. Welcome to Hope Church. You can stand at the front. So that we can fulfill the ministry of Jesus. And we get a whole load of gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us so that we can do the, not just live the life ministry live, but do the ministry Jesus had. And if you are here and you're a follower of Jesus, then the spirit who is here at creation and who brooded over the waters and filled these amazing people is now in you. He lives in you. As the, the, the Scottish preacher James S. Stewart said, if Shakespeare lived in you, what poetry you could write. If Beethoven lived in you, what music you could compose. If Christ were in you, what a life you could live. If? There need be no if about it. You can't have an indwelling Shakespeare. You can't have an indwelling Beethoven. You can have an indwelling Christ. You can say with Paul, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. That's good, right? This Holy Spirit lives in you. Guys, thank you so much. You can have a seat. Take your piece of paper with you. Otherwise, I have to recycle them all and I can't be bothered. The Holy Spirit lives in you if you're a follower of Jesus. The Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God. But there's a little verse in Ephesians 5 that throws a spanner in the works. It's Ephesians 5.18 if you want to look it up. And the Apostle Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. Wait, wait, wait. I thought if you're a Christian... You have the Spirit. Why is Paul telling us to be filled with the Spirit? And there's three things I want us to see here. Firstly, it's a command. It's an instruction. That means there is something you can do that will enable you to be filled with the Spirit. And there's something you can do that will stop you being filled with the Spirit. You could say the extent to which you are filled with the Spirit lays in a small part on you. And so if you don't experience the Spirit in the way you would like to, or in the measure you would like to, there's something you can do about that. It's a command. It's also passive. So this cup cannot fill itself. It's reliant on something outside it to fill it. In the same way, while you have a say into what extent you are filled with the Spirit, you don't do the filling. It is God who fills you by his Holy Spirit. And thirdly, it's ongoing. The theologians and scholars will tell you that this is in the present continuous tense. What that means is it's not a one-time thing. It's not a you become a Christian, you get filled, or you have an experience at Soul Survivor when you're 13. It's a daily, weekly, monthly hourly experience of the presence and power of God. And I said the word experience because I mean experience. God is there to be experienced, not just known in your heads. 
taste and see that the Lord is good. It's an, an ongoing experience of being filled. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, one of the greatest preachers of the 20th century, he imagines a conversation with a group of people who are saying, well, I'm a Christian, therefore I've got the Spirit, therefore I don't need anything else. And he, in typical Martin Lloyd-Jones, says this. So we say, oh, well, I'm already baptised with the Spirit. I can't do a Welsh accent. Uh, it happened when I was born again and my conversion. There's nothing left for me to seek. I have got it all. Got it all? Well, if you've got it all, I simply ask in the name of God, why are you as you are? If you have got it all, why are you so unlike the apostles? Why are you so unlike the New Testament Christians? Well, that hurts a bit, doesn't it? Why are we like, so unlike the New Testament Christians? The answer is there is more of the Holy Spirit for us to experience than we now have. There are deeper waters to swim in. And maybe we're just paddling in the shallows. There is more to go. There is more to experience, more to see, more to learn. The Holy Spirit has more for you this morning. And you may be at the start of your journey of faith. I want to say the Holy Spirit has more for you. And you may have been a Christian for 50, 60, 70 years. The Holy Spirit ain't done with you yet. And you may be stuck in your walk with the Lord. The Holy Spirit wants to loosen you up today. There is more for you this morning and every day. I think we often view ourselves a bit like this leaky bucket. That we get filled and we leak the Holy Spirit. I don't really like that illustration. I like this one. You are going on a journey and you've got a choice. Am I going to row there or am I going to put up my sail and let the wind of God blow me wherever he wants? And the question for us this morning isn't, does the Holy Spirit want to blow? Does he, doesn't he, want, is not, does he want to take us somewhere? The question is, have you got your sail up? And maybe you've got your sail down because you're scared. Maybe you've had bad experiences with churches or with the Holy Spirit and it scared you or freaked you out. Maybe. Maybe you're scared on the journey he's going to take you on. Maybe you're scared of the things he's going to ask you to do or not to do. Maybe no one's ever told you and given an opportunity. I want to say this morning, we can put our sails up and ask the Holy Spirit to take us wherever he wants. And it's the most exciting adventure you will ever go on. He wants to fill you like he fills those sails. Can you imagine, children and young people, can you imagine if you go into school and before you've gone in, you said, Holy Spirit, would you fill me today? Would you help me to speak the way you want me to speak? Would you help me to take opportunities to talk about my faith? Would you help me to love the people who are struggling today and see them with your eyes? Lord, I want to put my sail up. I want to go wherever you want me to go. Imagine if our children and young people started doing that. Because you could be 80 and moving in the power of the Spirit, and you can be eight. So let's keep praying for our kids 
they would experience the Holy Spirit as they go into schools because they are on the front line there. But you can go into work tomorrow and you can go back into your family and you have a choice. You can row there yourself or you can put your sail up, ask the Spirit to fill you and go wherever he goes. I asked you at the start what a spiritual person looks like. Look at the person next to you. Go on. That's a spiritual person. It's a person who loves Jesus and he's got their sail up. And that's the kind of church I want to be. That when we come here on Sunday, we come with our sails already up and we're ready to move where he wants to move. They're not waiting for the third song where the tempo drops a little bit and we can just, you know, get engaged in the intimate work. We're ready to go. Front to the back, side to side. And I want to be a person that doesn't just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to fill me when I'm up here front. I want to pray when I get up in the morning before the kids get up. I can be the best dad to them that I can be. That I can be the dad the Holy Spirit me to be. And when I'm going to that meeting in a coffee shop, that I would minister Christ to them because I'm full of the Spirit. As I'm walking down Bell Street, the Spirit is full and I'm seeing people how God sees them. And so if the opportunity comes to say hi to someone and see how they're doing, I'll take it. That's who I want to be.